you're not the boss of me now and you're not so big welcome to life is unfair the malcolm in the middle podcast where we watch and talk about every episode of malcolm in the middle in chronological order and today we're talking about the very last episode graduation which aired may 14th 2006 was directed by linwood boomer and written by michael globerman hi i'm jake and i've seen better days i'm david <laughs> I always pictured this day coming, except both of you were dead. Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! (laughs) And and I'm Eric, and that was my line, and I didn't even pick an alternate. (laughs) You fool! (laughs) That's doubly foolish, because before I decided to go with that lyric, that was going to be mine! (laughs) (laughs) What the heck, it still feels great. (laughs) oh uh well uh incredibly unprepared guest eric here why don't you tell people where they can find more of you why would you want to after that wow (laughs) the guy that doesn't even come prepared to a guest show doesn't come prepared to his own show but yeah if you want more of me i'm on file under entertainment podcast with frequent guests jake and david also, Evil March That's show us. on Thursdays for college football stuff if you like sports. And before we get into this last episode, we have our community segment where we have some poll results. Quit saying last episode. Jesus. <laughs> what, David? You know why. It's the last episode. Shut up. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I've already had a shitty day. Well, looking back on the previous episode... Uh, cattle cord. We, we've got some poll results uh, for that episode. For least shitty kid, I chose Dewey for going through his board game night with Hal and learning a lesson. While you went with uh, Reese for having a uh, ethnic or er, ethnic, ethnic? <laughs> yes, for having an ethnic awakening, <laughs> an ethical awakening. <laughs> Uh, in regards to his meat-eating and freeing all of those cows. Yeah. And we have a tie. Oh, wow. Uh, actually, we have we have a tie for both first and last, because <laughs> our choices of Reese and Dewey both got 43% of the vote, and Francis and Malcolm both got 6% of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> then for shittiest kid... Uh, I chose your least shitty kid of Reese for his line manipulation and misogyny earlier in the episode, while you chose Malcolm for ruining Craig's life to go to a concert. And the internet agreed with you. Yeah. Malcolm won with 57% of the vote, with Reese getting 21%, Dewey getting 14%, and Francis, who was not in the episode, getting 7%. <laughs> uh, Josh has been a longtime listener, huh? <laughs> He sure has. <laughs> Long-time listener, never caller. <laughs> would, would you really want to talk to him at this point? <laughs> Maybe for an explanation of all these ridiculous... Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we need an address and... <laughs> he has things to answer for. <laughs> We're going to give him an award in person. Yeah. <laughs> the Des Moines Dumbass Award. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just mayor? <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> Take that, Iowa. <laughs> I, I do like looking through the, uh, like, list of cities we get listeners from because we do have a listener from Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, there he is, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately hope that it's just some new dude named Josh who had like a buddy who was like, bro, they mention you on this podcast all the time. You got to listen to it. <laughs> uh, if you're our one listener from Des Moines, write in and let us know. But only if your name's Josh. If not, let us live in our fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin our expectations. <laughs> same, go same goes for our one New Zealand listener. <laughs> If you're not really Taika Waititi, do not say a fucking word. <laughs> you keep that to yourself. It's clearly Taika Waititi. Yeah, obviously. Who else would it be? But uh, with, with that, let's get into this week's last episode of the show ever, David. I hate you. <laughs> and it, of course, starts with a cold open in which uh, Reese rushes from the kitchen back to the couch with some popcorn, asking what he missed. As all the other boys are, like, sitting on the couch, like, looking at something, you know, looking really into it. And they tell him that he missed a big flash of light, and then some fire shot out, and he's just now coming, too. And Reese says, oh, man, I was only gone for a minute. How did I miss so much? Then Lois walks in behind them and sees what they're watching and says, for God's sakes, Hal, call a repairman. <laughs> and the camera turns, and we see that the boys have been watching Hal trying to repair their TV. <laughs> and Hal says that they don't need to waste money on some repairman when he's perfectly capable of, and then he shocks himself. <laughs> while all the boys laugh. <laughs> that feels familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the reaction my family would have had to seeing my dad do that. <laughs> then getting into the episode proper we only have one plot line going uh eric you were before we started recording telling me that you had uh prepared for if we divided it up so you have four potential titles i do yeah well for each separate individual plot line but yeah well there's only one plot line eric that's clear yeah i i get that now <laughs> <laughs> which would have been much easier to you know, transcribe notes if if i had done it that way uh well eric what, what what do you think david named this one well this is the goat plot for greatest of all time okay okay hmm what would david name this uh i think david named this you know what uh, much like my intro line i think david has named this the ISB plot for uh, I've Seen Better Days. I guess I, I left a letter. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You almost got it. It's the ISBD plotline for God I've Seen it. Better Days. I blew it. You blew I it. I blew it. Last chance and you ruined it. <laughs> but that really is, yeah, no, 100%. I, I named it the I've Seen Better Days plotline. Also, for uh, for the morp, when you guessed J for Gigolo, it should be G for Gigolo. I don't By fucking know. Is Jigolo spelled? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was spelled. I don't know how to spell Jigolo. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, didn't matter. 
True. <laughs> Wrong either way. Is that also the episode, or was it the episode before that where I, I said there were 352 days in a year? Yeah. <laughs> As I was editing, I was like, well, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Dude, the best part is I didn't even catch it. Like, I've been so tired the last couple times we've recorded. Uh, I didn't get to call you out for being an idiot live. Oh. Yeah, it, it is the best part about editing is that you 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 still get that like podcast like ah I can't believe this idiot's wrong about this except you're the idiot who's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Well, that's the great thing about editing is that you can eliminate that stuff, but you have the integrity to not do that. You at least you know mostly make it a secret sound, or you at least kind of own up to it. Uh, if you don't yeah, edit like funny. we do, it's just or you or you censor an entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, that that is fair. <laughs> I have edited out exactly one flub. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it a flub from me too that made me sound really shitty? No, yours wasn't a flub. I edited out like a whole conversation because you you made the joke too. Oh. That made you sound really shitty. No, th then I flubbed <laughs> and edited that out. <laughs> Plus, there's still the Olive Garden cart out there. Hashtag release the Olive Garden cut. Yeah, we really need oh. that to take off. <laughs> Wasn't that like, it was like season two, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I oh believe God. so. Uh... <laughs> We also realized that we any day now. <laughs> we also realized that we didn't do the like intro joke at first, and that our initial episodes were way shorter. I looked at the episode, our first episode was like half an hour. <laughs> oh, what were we doing? Well, then you started bringing me on, and it's like I just you know every podcast I'm on runs at least a couple of hours. So. I was gonna say, according True. to Super Producer Jared, Eric is the five-hour podcast guy. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> well, we just did uh, four hours yesterday. Wow, that's true. But I mean, I do weekly with Mark, and we just did a four-hour even Mark show yesterday. But he oh, wow. was high as shit and going completely <laughs> off the rails. Like I, I could not, <laughs> I could not contain him at all. Like everything I said just spiraled him off into another conversation. It was a lot of fun, but yeah, it was another four hours. It was like. God, I, I have I have this, I have Life is Unfair tomorrow, and I have File Under on Friday. It's like, this is this is another full-time job, essentially. That's right. <laughs> uh, the host with the most. The most prepared guests, anyway. Eric. <laughs> That's <God>. true. <laughs> when you do this many shows, you don't have time to prepare. It's just like, all right, I'm going to show up and wing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit, buddy. Senioritis. <laughs> Oh God! I just call it the David. I I I'm sorry. The fucking what? <laughs> Listen, if you're gonna imply that I don't prepare, that's some bullshit. No, you do prepare for my show. You prepare much more than I do. And then Jake is with his spreadsheets. You guys prepare for my show like incredibly. But for your own show, you've admitted to just showing up because you say that you're the talent. So it's like I I. How many times have you lost your notes, dude? <laughs> Just like Listen, that. that's <laughs> technological flubs, okay? <laughs> He's not the talent, Eric. He's the flavor flavor of this podcast. Shut up. <laughs> Get in the trash can where you belong. 
asshole. He might, he might walk off of the final episode of his own show. That's the goal. <laughs> Seven I'm going to come up there and the smack making. you over the head with a giant clock, you piece of shit. Okay, well, should we uh, get into this uh, episode proper? Yeah, let's talk about the plotline. <laughs> the plotline. Yes. Uh, and it starts with Malcolm, Lois, and Hal all at the kitchen table going through a bunch of papers trying to figure out how Malcolm is going to pay for college as he turns to camera and explains that he got accepted into Harvard uh, and they have to find a way for him to pay with it, it pay for it. It is his dream school. It's 2,000 miles away from Lois, which does in fact eliminate California from the equation and it's specifically if we're assuming the only two options are California and Oklahoma I can pinpoint where in Oklahoma they live now based on this yeah because only the western panhandle of Oklahoma is 2,000 miles away from Harvard uh, California is too far away the, the closest mm. point in California would be uh, like a little over 2,500 miles. But the panhandle of Oklahoma is almost exactly 2,000 miles away from Harvard. It's uh, specifically their westernmost city is 1,962 miles from hmm. Harvard. So, boom. <laughs> Final <laughs> episode. We know where they are. That's right. We they're, got them. They're in Oklahoma. <laughs> specifically the panhandle of Oklahoma. That's right. That makes sense. That's true. It, it, it's why they're right next to the desert, too. Yeah. It all adds up. <laughs> then, uh, having, like, gone through all of their math, trying to figure out how to pay for this stuff, they realize that even with everything they have and Malcolm's multiple jobs he'll be doing, they're still $5,000 short. Which prompts Hal to say, damn, those Harvard thieves. <laughs> 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 then, Reese taunts Malcolm. Uh, for stressing out about his future while well, he's got his uh, life already figured out. <laughs> and Malcolm asks, aren't you embarrassed being the janitor at your own high school? And Reese says, assistant janitor. All the mopping and no paperwork. <laughs> God, it's a real Jake job. I mean, <laughs> it, that is literally what I did when I was in college. Then Craig comes in carrying a cardboard box to tell Reese that he has packed his winter clothes, comic books, and knickknacks. They have the same Quiet Riot CD. <laughs> and when he calls Reese his roomie, Reese tells him to stop calling him that. They're not roommates for another two weeks. Which gets a reaction from Lois. <laughs> Boy, and <does> she <laughs> slams her hands down on the table like pulls herself up like towards Reese and says 12 days <laughs> <laughs> the minute he graduates he's out of this house and into Craig's <laughs> and then she very calmly goes back to talking uh, to Malcolm <laughs> asking so what <laughs> other jobs could you get <laughs> and uh, Malcolm says that uh, he's Already has uh, three shifts at the cafeteria, uh, Monday and Wednesdays at the bookstore, and mopping the dorms at night. I guess I could chop vegetables during chem lab. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and Hal says uh, this is unbelievable that there's kids half as smart as Malcolm getting full ride scholarships. <laughs> and 
Lois says, yeah, but they didn't correct the interviewer on his pronunciation of Sart. And Malcolm under his breath mutters, Sartre. (laughs) 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 Then uh, Hal says, you know, they'll find the money somehow. And Craig leans in and whispers to Reese, saying, Okay, there's something we have to talk about. I do have a private life. I'll keep it in my room, but you should probably know my safe word. (laughs) Then, uh, in the boys' room, Malcolm and Stevie are sitting at the desk uh, with some, like, notepads. And Reese and Dewey are, like, uh, laying in their respective beds. They're all just kind of hanging out. And Dewey says that, you know, it's going to be weird not doing this. And Reese says, yeah, just uh, hanging out, doing nothing together. You know, this is going to be one of the last times. And then the uh, camera turns and reveals Abe is sitting there with them as he, like, chuckles and says, "Uh, we sure won't. And he starts reminiscing with Stevie on their high school memories as though he's, like, living them with Stevie, including a specific kiss with the girl. (laughs) Abe says they felt like would never end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's awesome, but also really weird. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Then Malcolm tells Abe, you know, uh, Stevie's supposed to be helping me uh, write my valedictorian speech, and... Uh, Abe says, of course, that's a very important speech. And, you know, it's probably Stevie's selflessness that uh, got him second place. (laughs) He's not uh, insulting uh, Salutary. And he's just happy that the school had the integrity to uh, give it to to Malcolm over Stevie, even though he set up uh, Cedric Hampton as the commencement speaker. (laughs) Which Stevie just looks at him and says, go. (laughs) (laughs) and uh reese wonders if moving out of the house is going to change him specifically he wants to know if he'll get a british accent (laughs) which malcolm not missing a beat immediately says absolutely (laughs) i want to see the continuation of the show if for no other reason i mean obviously from loving it but i want to see reese with a british accent too (laughs) Oh, that, that that would be a really good callback. <laughs> that would be funny. Then uh, Reese, as they're like, you know, doing all this reminiscing, realizes, wait a minute, we're moving out. That means we can get rid of the nuclear option. <laughs> and they all, like, rush to uh, close the doors and go into the closet where they pull a lockbox out that has uh, three individual padlocks on, like, each of the locks. And Stevie asks what it is, and they explain as they each pull out their own separate keys on a, like, chain necklace to unlock <laughs> this lockbox. <laughs> and they pull an x-ray out. <laughs> and Malcolm says uh, that, you know, this is the worst thing that they've ever done. Uh, the thing that they've, like, held over each other all these years. They, you know, uh, no, no matter how shitty they got to each other... They can never go too far because they have this source of mutually assured destruction. <laughs> and they pull an x-ray out. And Malcolm explains that they once convinced Lois she had cancer. But they had a good reason. 
And it flashes back to them giving their report cards to be signed to Alan Lois as Lois is like weeping and telling how don't say it's okay. You can't raise these kids alone. She's not wrong. But <laughs> I ouch. love what they did with Hal's hair. Like they, they gave him like the mop the mop top in there. And also can we talk about the creepiness factor of the the Reese uh, counterpart and his smile, that was completely unnatural. And I know it was meant to be, but it's like, if you go back, that is nightmare fuel. Like, looking at that smile, it's, oh, it's I don't know. very it unsettling. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like I was talking to Jay. Wow. Wow. And uh, so they pull the x ray out and. Uh, Reese gives it to Dewey and says that Dewey should be the one to get to destroy it. Uh, he's going to be the oldest soon, and it's a good lesson in maturity. <laughs> and that's where David's opening line comes from, as Dewey says he always pictured this day coming, but he thought they'd both be dead. It still feels great, though. Then <laughs> we see Hal on the phone, uh, like, frantically asking someone for... A $5,000 loan saying, I, you know, I, I know you hate me and I would never ask you, but you're the only person I can go to for this. And then after like a pause, he says, okay, well, can I talk to a senior loan manager? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. My assumption is that that was meant to be that we're supposed to either think it was like Ida or probably Susan, Lois's sister, considering their history, like they had previously dated and, you know, like, obviously, you know, she hates him because she gave him the cold shoulder in the episode that she was in. So that that's always been my kind of headcanon that we're meant to think that he's talking to her because it's uh, also either... established that she has money as well because she gives the boys a car and sets Jamie up with the like the CD and whatnot. So, yeah, either Susan or like a member of his estranged family is what I've right. always assumed. Yeah, uh, we Ida doesn't have five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's, true. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, she'd have to steal it from someone. Well, it's possible that she stole it from Susan because wasn't it established that she was living with her for a while? So maybe. But yeah, I always yeah, thought be. it was it was supposed to be Susan. But. Yeah, yeah. Susan makes sense. I, that, I've always sort of thought the same thing that it's either Susan or a like member of his family is what they were like trying to imply. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, it's just a bank. <laughs> <laughs> the true which, final option <laughs> which also makes sense that they hate him so. <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, that's that's fair <laughs> then we uh see reese's first day as a janitor as the uh, head janitor is like uh, you know telling him the details of the job and Reese is really excited he, because he, you're, you're not just a creep hanging around the school. You're the janitor, and you have the power to put out wet floor signs. Cording off entire areas. <laughs> but the janitor tells him not to get too excited. He'll only be here for 30 days. And Reese says, you know, no, I think I'm really going to love this job. And the janitor says, yeah, you, and you seem like a natural at it, but this is a union job, and benefits set in after 30 days, so they just fire the new guy before the 30-day trial is up. And Reese asks, well, what if there was a mess so big it takes more than the 30 days to clean up? 
<laughs> and Xander says, you know, that's a nice thought, but there's no such thing as a 30-day mess. <laughs> Reese looks into the distance and says, yeah, but they also said they never put a man on Mars. <laughs> oh, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> then we go to the funeral for the nuclear option. Yes. Dewey has set up a whole little ceremony where they're going to burn it, and he's even wearing a suit. <laughs> and all of the boys and Craig gather. <laughs> With uh, Craig and Reese showing up late, uh, because they had an argument over shower curtains, because Reese thought the dolphin ones were gay. <laughs> and uh, Craig says, you think all dolphins are gay? To which Reese says, all, do all dolphins are gay. <laughs> Which Craig counters, uh, dolphins can kill sharks, and Reese says, a gay guy can kill a shark, but he's still gay. <laughs> this is like a, you know, obviously a kind of problematic 2000s gay joke, but it's, it's very funny. <laughs> I, 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 I give it a pass. Oh... <laughs> uh... I just, I'm just disappointed that this didn't start the stereotype that all gay men can kill sharks. <laughs> I want that to be part of the, like, stereotypical gay, you know, uh, repertoire. <laughs> yeah, that makes it so even homophobes want to have gay guys along with them in case they encounter sharks on the open water. <laughs> it's like, I know gay guys can kill sharks, so we gotta, gotta keep you around and be nice to you. <laughs> we need one gay friend for beach day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh... <laughs> I also think this is just like a nice little window into what I imagine Craig and Reese are like as, as roommates in the future <laughs> I, I feel like it's mostly just versions of this exact conversation <laughs> but uh then they burn uh, the, the nuclear option like the little cardboard tube uh, that they were keeping this x-ray in. And as it burns, uh, a bunch of fireworks go off as Dewey is, like, finishing his speech about how Jamie will grow up in a world without this, you know, uh, shadow over his life like they had. And, uh, you know, he, he will learn to, uh, give gifts on birthday out of love, not out of blackmail. <laughs> And, uh, the, the, like, fireworks go off, and Reese leans over to Dewey and says, Nice touch. <laughs> then we see uh, Lois, like, sitting on the couch, folding some laundry, while Malcolm is in the background working on his speech. And she tells him that, you know, uh, she will look the speech over for him if he wants, but he refuses, saying he doesn't want anyone to see it until it's ready. But, uh, Lois, uh, of course, like, keeps pushing, saying, you know, if... He wants someone, if he wants a set of fresh ears, she's willing to listen. And Malcolm turns her down again. And then she criticizes him for quoting some rapper instead of someone like Paul McCartney. <laughs> then uh, we see Reese start work on his 30-day mess uh, concoction as he has a big barrel that says animal waste on it. I was gonna say, and what a what a montage do we get here? We sure, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
as he then, uh, like, after, like, opening that, uh, like, big tub of animal waste, he, like, sniffs it and, like, recoils in disgust and says, it's a good start. <laughs> and then, uh, he adds, uh, glue, lawn clippings, eggs, a dead skunk, roofing tar, and waste out of a porta potty. Yeah, that was the most disturbing one for me because he was like gleefully emptying that those contents into that bucket. Like he could not have been happier about that. One. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, just uh, makes what happens later so much worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Eh. <laughs> I did call this one sack of ick. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. 1000% would have been the title had this been a separate plotline. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we see Lois on the phone with Susan apologizing because their last ticket to the graduation went to Ida. And Lois says... Oh, I had to give it to mom. Last time I crossed her, someone dropped a pig's head down our chimney. (laughs) (laughs) Which was impressive and interesting. (laughs) And she tells Susan that uh, Ida will be here soon, that she's driving down with Francis and Piyama. And at that point, there is a knock at the door, and it is, in fact, Piyama. Who comes in like looking panicked and tells Lois, I think he might actually do it this time. And Francis runs in behind her and runs straight for the fire poker, <laughs> saying he drove through three states of blunt objects to get to this. And he turns around and yells, I hope you run as Ida walks over. And Ida just says, you better make that first swing count, princess. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Ida is smoking, and Lois just shuts the door on Ida and says, finish your cigarette outside and I'll make you lunch. (laughs) And Malcolm shakes his head as Francis like walks into the kitchen and says, you just had to give a speech first, didn't you? (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Like takes Francis aside and pulls the fire poker out of his hand and, like, bats his shoulder and tells him to focus on the fact that in a parallel universe somewhere, he did it. (laughs) (laughs) Then Malcolm opens a letter and discovers that his Pearson grant has been cancelled. And that was a $3,000 grant, so now they need to come up with an extra $8,000 to pay for his college. And he, like, reads the rest of the letter and says... They're using the money uh, that would have gone to the grant to study what happens to kids who can't afford college. (laughs) They're offering me $50 to be part of it. (laughs) So fucked up. (laughs) So, uh, that kind of thing actually kind of happened to me. And it's why I don't have my bachelor's degree. Um, Because I got promised uh, student aid and a certain amount in order to go to Arkansas State University. And then when I moved cities and got down there and got to the enrollment office, they were like, well, um, actually, we're only going to be able to give you this amount, which was less than a third of my tuition. And I was like, cool. Well, you guys, the highest paying job in this town is eight twenty-five an hour. So bite me, I guess. Like, Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also had a similar thing where, like, after my freshman year, I went, like, to the, act, the uh, like, uh, uh, financial aid office and was like, okay, like, throughout the summer, I'm going to be, like, at my parents who, who live in a town with, like, 12 people in it. They don't have internet. I don't know if I'm going to have phone service, so, like, tell me everything I need to do now so I can do it ahead of time. And they, like, gave me some forms and stuff. We're like, okay, that, that's, like, all you'll need. And then, with, like, the, the, the next year when I showed up, they are like, oh, yeah, no, you had to do this other uh, paperwork over the summer, and you didn't. So uh, I, I lost, like, one of my big scholarships my second year. I, I was Fortunately, I could still, like, attend and go through, but it's why I have one year where I had to take out loans. Yeah. That is lame. Yep. Dude. Legitimately, getting my two-year degree was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and it had nothing to do with the classes. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I'm also the only person I know who had to do their two-year degree, two-year degree twice, and never failed a class. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I fortunately did not have to go through anything nearly that bad. <laughs> oh, dude. I have literally done every first and second year class for my degree twice fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh continuing on with this plot line we then see uh ida go out and talk to reese about his plan which she is very excited about she wants to see what he's made <laughs> And Reese is, like, very proud of it, saying, you know, he uh, opened it a little bit and it burned all the hairs in his nose out. <laughs> <laughs> and Ida asks, uh, who's taking the fall? And Reese just, like, blankly stares at her and she asks, who's your patsy? And uh, Reese says that he doesn't have one. And Ida says, it's a good thing you called me. <laughs> You uh, A big mess like this, they're going to blame someone, and it can be anyone that you want. A teacher, a neighbor. If you're lucky, a whole family goes down, and you get to sell their dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ida. That's so messed up. Right. Oh. I love her so much. <laughs> Dude, Cloris Leisure is so funny. <laughs> And Reese tells her that if she ever brushed her teeth, he would kiss her. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we then see Hal attempt to uh, come up with this money for Malcolm as he goes to a shark, a, a loan shark, played by Linwood Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> and Why does that uh, not surprise me? <laughs> it is very close to what you guessed on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done and, uh, he starts to give Hal the $8,000 and tells him okay here's how it's gonna work you're gonna come here next weekend and Hal like cuts him off and says I have no intention of paying you back <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he asks uh, why would we loan you this money then and Hal says because uh, we can cut through all the you know me making excuses and you hunting me down and we can go straight to you breaking my legs <laughs> he says just call me up whenever you want and I'll come to you and you can start breaking bones arms legs whatever you want 
and I'll cry and scream and beg for mercy. I'll make it so loud and horrible that no one who hears it will miss another payment ever again. Oh, how? (laughs) (laughs) And the loan shark thinks about it for a minute and then he points out, well... We could just not give you the money and still break all of your bones <laughs> and get the exact same results. And Hell says, well, I think that would kind of muddle your point. Let's sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, runs away. <laughs> I love how he gives the wide berth, too. When he, as he's leaving, he encounters that other kind of, like, the... The goon that's like doing security by the door and he gives kind of like the wide berth so he doesn't come anywhere near him. Just so great. Just when he even flinches when he like steps towards him and does the <laughs> little uh... yeah. yeah, it's it's great. Oh. I love it. So many subtle visual gags. It's one of the, the great things about the show. I mean, obviously the the lines, the dialogue that's delivered audibly is always great, but just there's so many visual gags too that it's, I, I love yeah. the show. I cannot believe that it's wrapping up. Hey, David, did you know that this is the Shut final up. episode? <laughs> stop it! <laughs> I, stop! Uh, <sighs> I hate you. <laughs> it's, love you too, buddy. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the final show of the podcast yet. That's true. That's true. We've, we've got a couple more Malcolm the Middle related episodes to do still. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Which. Oh, fuck. I had a question I was going to ask you before we started. Fuck. Okay. Well, do you want me to ask you now live on yeah, air sure. and then just edit it out? <laughs> sure. Or do you want me to text it to you? I, you can ask it and we'll see if it gets edited out or not. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I was going to ask you. Should we bring up the next project and then mention it at the end to be like, hey, and we're going to talk more about this in the final, in the finale finale, so that then people go and, you know, listen to that. And then that way we can kind of announce what we're doing next so people aren't just left and, you know, without knowing what's coming. So when there's a lull, they don't just like think we're just done. Yeah, we should probably do that. Okay. I think we kind of just did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're curious what we're going to be doing next, you can tune in to the finale finale, a.k.a. the like whole Malcolm in the Middle series wrap-up we're going to be doing in a couple episodes. And uh, yeah, we, we will be ending that episode by sort of talking more about what we're going to be doing in the post-Malcolm in the Middle show. And uh, I, I think that's where we'll reveal the name to yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I wasn't going to say the name until until we went to that. But, yeah, we, we definitely have plans for, for things moving forward. And uh, I just, man, I'm, I'm not ready for this to be done. But I am excited also about the new stuff. But why can't we just do that and somehow Malcolm in the Middle keeps producing episodes? Start it all, run it back. Just start it all over again. You, you said that like those episodes were too short at the beginning, so now you gotta you d- double them up. <laughs> I, I was gonna say my two cents, and I, I would take it or leave it, but I would keep this feed active and at least post the first couple of episodes of the new show in this feed, so that people that don't kind of get the name right away still have access to it. You know, 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to keep the same feed. We're just going to change the... Uh, uh -huh. Very cool. It's uh, the, a, a little trick I learned from uh, Titan Up the Defense, which was previously Teen Titan Wasteland. That's a show that ran out of the thing that they were covering and then, like, moved into a different thing. So they, they just <laughs> kept it all in one feed and changed the title. Smart. So I think they're going smart. to be doing it again because they just got through their second, like, <laughs> thing... <laughs> giant grouping of comics that they never thought they would get through <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> it happens uh, shout out to them even though as a different podcast they are uh, our enemies whoa whoa <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> that's not true no I, I, no it is all other podcasts are our enemies i guess no, that makes me like a fact. double agent then <laughs> right because i right like well yeah, no, you're you're definitely an, our enemy. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I think Jared is our number one enemy. Fuck his show. Yeah. Oh, Feathers and Friends, sure. that, that show's real piece of shit podcast. Hate those guys. <laughs> yeah, don't Ooh, ever check out uh, Jared, super producer over at Feather and Friends. Terrible show. Especially, like, who would have a military episode and then invite civilians? Like, that, that seems fucking insane. Yeah, he definitely doesn't want to promote that one because it ended up just being a roast of Jared anyway. So right, yeah. <laughs> I assume all well, of this I mean, is getting edited out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Might be the secret sound. <laughs> God, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> what were we talking about? Your new show and the feeds and then oh, yeah, other yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. being enemies. But then where we were at in the actual show, I have no idea anymore. Dude, I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm so loopy because, like, one, I've been working a ton of hours and craziness. But also, like, I just I don't want to end this. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here looking at my notes for my awards and I'm sad. Like, this has been a constant thing and like man this is like the first project that you and i have finished true you know what i mean it's and not like finished that, yet <laughs> i know we're not finished yet but we're wrapping up and and like jake and i have done a lot of things and then life always gets in the way like every time we've done something and like not only has this been it, it's it's literally been life-changing if nothing else than just the friends that you know, we made out of it, like you and Erica and, and all the people that we converse with so regularly just because of this. It's mm -hmm. it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to save all the mush for the finale, but yeah, I'm incredibly yeah, right. thankful for, for this because, I mean, we've been friends for, what, going on three years now, like real-life friends, where I say, like, yeah. I, I mean, you guys have been on my show, and I can always count on you, and it's been... It's been phenomenal. I mean, you guys have been such an important part of my life for these last three years, and it's all by virtue of this show and and Malcolm in the Middle and just uh, our mutual appreciation for that. And it, it's it's just great. I love that that TV can do that, and that uh, the world of podcasting that we've all been able to to come together, and that you guys have found an audience that interacts and appreciates a bunch of assholes talking about a tv show it's just, it's it's phenomenal i love that about this so yeah i do too and this show is so relatable and so just like i i don't think this would have been gotten the response that it it has if it had been any other show that we started with fair so and it's 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 definitely uh 
man, I I love this show so much, and this this episode just I will say uh, I do feel like this episode is a is a good wrap up to it. I love all of the different it just the the chaos, but also how they tied it all in together. Man, yeah, Michael Goberman. Just yeah, just a phenomenal job writing it and Linwood Boomer, you know, bookending it, like coming up with the the idea of the show and then coming back in to not only star in but uh, direct the final episode. Just <laughs> playing you know, a sleazy lone shark, <laughs> right? But it is really good. I think everybody gets like, I mean, obviously would would have loved to see the the show continue in whatever capacity, uh, as long as they still had you know sound ideas. But it, it does feel like they ended it on. A perfect note so yeah yeah th- th- this is definitely one like I-, I think of this as one of the best like sitcom finale which is really hard to do most sitcoms kind of have generally pretty shitty finales honestly oh definitely. it's really hard to do in a sitcom and i think they nail it mm-hmm. yeah and it's i i really like i i know we're not there yet but the ending too the way that they do it i feel like i've seen a ton of other sitcoms try to do the like and here's how all of these plot lines turned out three months later. But it doesn't mm-hmm. feel, I don't know, there's always something missing there. But this this one feels perfect. There's so it, brief well, little snippets, but it's such a, like, a, over the course of seven seasons, you've come to know these characters so well that you can have that just little brief five second kind of just shorthand and know like that's that's the perfect that's the entire encapsulation of who they are as a character <laughs> that's a fitting end for them yeah just so well done but yeah yeah we're, we're not Perfect. even what, to this point let, let's keep uh covering this episode so, so we can talk about stuff when we actually get to it <laughs> after this weird little middle of the episode interlude <laughs> right yeah dude i'm sorry like i said i'm i'm super out of it and then you know, having Jared. somebody it pop into the uh, the studio definitely threw me off my rhythm. I'm very sorry. God, be a better producer, Jake. Keep us in line. <laughs> we all Jared's have senioritis. Cordoning off floors, you know, wet floors, and just, we're, we're still trying to walk on them. That's... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we had uh, just covered the that, that scene with Lenwood Boomer as the uh, lone shark, and then... Uh, we see the family, like, all cleaning the house up as uh, Abe is going to be bringing over a fancy guest. And Lois, uh, you know, wants the house nice and clean for them. And Francis says, oh, so we're jumping through hoops so the Mr. Fancy Corporate Guy doesn't have to see how real people live. <laughs> and Lois tells him, you know, it wouldn't hurt for you to jump through a hoop or two. And she asks, are you even looking for a job still? And Piyama says, as a matter of fact, but then Francis cuts her off and says, as a matter of fact, I don't need to. I have three ideas for children's books, and I'm thinking of applying for my bounty hunter's license. Uh, Dude, (laughs) why is that such a... uh, I don't want to go on another tangent, but God, that's so relatable. (laughs) <laughs> i almost did that is all i'll say and then story for another time moving on if not now when david it's the final episode you know so <laughs> story time story quit time. quit, quit. <laughs> uh, i will say that this does really 
this line really makes me wish we had got consistent f plots through this final season oh god <laughs> because yes. both the children's book thing and the bounty hunter thing would make such good f plots <laughs> <laughs> oh you're not wrong <laughs> And Lois, like, starts to yell at him, say that, how does that e mean that you don't have to? And then she, like, uh, like takes a deep breath and forces herself to walk away, asking Piyama to help her get the good China out. And as soon as she says that, Dewey, who has just sort of been standing off to the side, like, his head shoots up and he looks over in a panic, which <laughs> Francis notes. <laughs> and he, like, follows them over to the closet and as they're pulling out the box with the good china, which Lois is explaining they've never got to use. They thought they were going to when that uh, congressman was going house to house, but he just clogged our toilet and left. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The uh, x-ray from the nuclear option, like, falls out as it was clearly, like, under this box. And... Francis, like, uh, sees it, but doesn't know what it is, but, like, pieces together that this must be what Dewey is panicking about, and he takes the gum he was chewing and puts it on the bottom of his shoe and walks over and <laughs> says that it's about time he and Lois talked about the, the time that she threw away all of his Harlem Globetrotter autographs. <laughs> now, he's not saying that it was unconscious racism, but he thinks she would really benefit from some quiet self-reflection. <laughs> Jesus, Francis. <laughs> and as he's saying all of this, he, like, subtly uses the gum on the bottom of his shoe to, like, pick the x-ray up and, like, hide it behind his back. Man. <laughs> Ballsy. <laughs> when he asks to see Dewey, like, he's backing up and has to see Dewey, and then Dewey, when he just comes out and, like, walks in the hall, and he just, he has that look on his face. It's, it's another just, like, a completely silent, just nothing but a visual gag, but it's just so well done by Eric Persullivan there, and just yeah. really well acted. I, For sure. Yeah, dude, th this episode, like I said, it's super good, and this is so funny, because it's, it's such a Francis and, uh, you know, Lois moment. Without Lois even knowing, <laughs> it's it's great. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, then uh, yeah, Francis and Dewey go off to Dewey's room to leave uh, Lois to reflect on that potential racism. <laughs> God. <laughs> and the doorbell rings, and in the boys' room, uh, Francis says, "Okay, I clearly just saved your ass. Now tell me why." <laughs> And meanwhile, outside, Reese and Ida have put this barrel of stuff in the back of the car. And they're, like, making plans for how they're going to do this. And Ida says <laughs> that as soon as she goes in, she's going to fake a seizure. And she's going to make sure her, her skirt slips up over her hips. Uh, she's going commando, so Reese will have plenty of time to sneak the barrel out of the car. <laughs> 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 and Reese tells Ida that he loves her. <laughs> oh, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, back in the boys' room, Francis is learning what the nuclear option is, and he's horrified to learn that Lois's cancer scare was fake. He played cards in the hospital with her for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. the important things. <laughs> and 
he asks Dewey why he didn't get rid of it, and Dewey says that, you know, uh, thinking about destroying it just made him sad. And Francis says that, uh, you know, that there wasn't much uh, to keep Reese, Malcolm, and Dewey together, but they had this. And now I have it. <laughs> he says it's something he can blackmail them with that he had no involvement in at all. God. And uh, Dewey just says, Mom's friend, Jenny. And Francis <laughs> says, here you go, and hands him the x-ray. <laughs> I don't want to know what that means. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> then uh, we see... Malcolm talking with their guest, uh, who is Cedric Hampton, uh, who's played by Lamont Thompson, who's just another one of those, has been around for a long time, like TV character actors. And they're like discussing computers. And uh, as they like finish up, Lois says, This is fantastic. I haven't understood a thing you've said in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lois. <laughs> And Abe says that, you know, uh, Cedric may be, you know, a rich, fancy guy now, but he knew him back when his nickname was Accident Pants. <laughs> and he, like, turns to Cedric and says, remember that? Remember that? And Cedric says, well, I remember someone begging me for a loan. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> uh, touche. <laughs> Right. Then uh, Cedric says that, uh, you know, he's not here for a social call. He's looked over Malcolm and Stevie's coding project and he's really impressed. And he offers them both jobs you know, with full benefits and six figure contracts. And he says, you know, he, he wants to uh, get them while they're cheap because he thinks they're both going to be these big geniuses. And Malcolm starts to answer, but Lois interjects before he can, uh, turning him down. And she says, uh, no, Malcolm is going to college. And Cedric uh, says, you know, he understands, and he retracts the job offer, saying he should have talked to Lois before he offered it. And he tells Malcolm, you know, not to be mad at Lois, she's just looking out for him. I mean, who knows how far he could have gone if he'd gone to college. <laughs> Then we see everyone gathering in the car, ready to go to graduation, and Malcolm is just, like, glaring at Lois. And the barrel is gurgling in the back. And Reese <laughs> is, like, patting it. And when Hal asks, what's that sound? Reese says, oh, it's just my stomach. Then Lois turns to Malcolm and says, okay, clearly you're angry. You may as well just say what you want now and get it out of your system. And as soon as Malcolm opens his mouth to uh, speak his mind, the barrel explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and when we uh, come back from what would have been a commercial break, everyone is in the yard covered in shit. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to describe it. it, it it's covered in yuck. That's, that's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. And Malcolm is specifically is screaming about his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Hal has uh, Jamie like chained up over a kiddie pool and is like spraying him off with the hose. And he apologizes for handing him upside down at first. He couldn't tell through all the gunk. <laughs> And Piyama turns to Francis and says, well, we may as well have kids now. I'm not afraid of changing a diaper anymore. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> but Reese says he's the real victim here. <laughs> These are my hopes and dreams <laughs> that you're uh, spraying out of your crevices right now. <laughs> oh, Reese. <laughs> Ida just says, is anyone else hungry and goes inside to get food? <laughs> uh, she really is phenomenal. <laughs> and Malcolm starts to melt down and he says, you know what? This is perfect. Now I look how I feel. <laughs> and Lois says, yeah, I know you're upset about the job thing, but we weren't going to let you throw your life away like that. And Malcolm asks how being rich and successful is throwing his life away. And she says, that's not the life you're supposed to have. And she lays down the life plan that she has set up for Malcolm, which is that he'll go to Harvard, earn every fellowship and internship they have, and graduate first in his class, then he'll go to work in the... Uh, work in public service, either a district attorney or running some kind of foundation, then become governor of a mid-sized state, then become president. And when Malcolm says, what? She says, of the United States. (laughs) 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 Hal just says, yeah, it's true. And everyone else like nods and Francis says, we thought you knew. (laughs) (laughs) And Malcolm asks, what if I don't want to become president? And Lois says, oh, it's too late for that. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) And uh, she explains that uh, he's the only person uh, in that position who will stick up for people like them. And Malcolm says, I could have become rich and just bought my way into being president. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Lois says, yeah, we considered that, but we decided against it. Because then you wouldn't be a good president. <laughs> you, have, you haven't suffered enough. <laughs> I suffered every day of my life, typical whiny Malcolm. Yeah. And Lois says, it's still not enough. <laughs> <laughs> and she says that he knows what it's like to be poor and to work hard, but now he's going to learn what it's like to sweep floors and bust his ass and accomplish twice as much as everyone around him, but they'll still look down on him. And he'll want them to like him, but they won't, and that'll break his heart, which will make his heart bigger, and he'll finally realize that there's more to life than just proving he's the smartest person in the world. And he doesn't get to have a fun life of luxury. <laughs> and Halander Jack saying, yeah, that's Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> and Dewey in the background just says, wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh appropriate level of excited i i appreciate this doing. <laughs> and malcolm says you know this is ridiculous you expect me to become president no you expect me to become one of uh, american history's greatest presidents and lois says uh look me in the eye and tell me you can't do it and it hard cuts to the graduation <laughs> where Reese and Malcolm are sitting together, and then it goes to, like, an overhead shot to show, like, all the other students are have formed, like, a stink circle around them. A, like, perfect circle. And then when it cuts to the other family members, they, like, do this again to show they have the same stink bubble around them. Fair. Also a really good callback, though, to the first episode where he was talking about, like, uh... When they did that same kind of overhead shot on the playground of school when he was talking about, like, 
being a smart kid is like a, a magnet. Like he leaned and it just like it showed that yes. like circular pattern. So it was a really good callback. It is. Then uh Francis like uh reaches into his pocket for some gum and in the process knocks a name tag out of his pocket, which Hal picks up, and it is Francis's name tag for Amerisis Industries. And Hal like picks it up and asks Francis about it. And Francis uh, says, you know, don't tell Lois. It would make her too happy. But I've been working for this company for two months now. And he loves it. it. Yes, it, it's a giant corporation where he works in a cubicle and he just puts numbers into a computer all day. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and how, like, as he's, like, described it, like, initially, like, starts to look worried. As you know, this, this clearly, like, mirrors his work experience but then like looks surprised and happy when francis says he loves it mm-hmm. and francis says you know he loves the stability and the regular paychecks and the parking spot and the stupid joke emails and then he bonds with alice Hal says did you get that one about the two irish guys and they both start laughing <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> <laughs> Then they welcome Malcolm to the stage to give his speech. And of course, the microphone shorts out when the principal tries to say his last name. Naturally. But we know what it is. That's right. It's Wilkerson. (laughs) And Malcolm comes up and he gives his speech about how, you know, everyone there is happy to be escaping their family. But there is no escape. Wherever they go, their family is going with them. And he ends his speech with a uh, unsaid quote by Paul McCartney. Because <laughs> it just cuts as he says uh, to quote Paul McCartney and then cuts away. Then we get that uh, part that you guys were, were uh, talking about earlier. As we get a three months later uh, sort of segment. And uh, Better Days by Citizen King plays over it just as a another callback to that first episode. And... Uh, it starts with Dewey and Jamie running into the closet in the boys' room with Hal and Lois screaming in the background. <laughs> and Dewey, like, turns to Jamie and says, if Mom ever figures out that that was us, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Reese uh, with Craig buying Craig a birthday present, the the, the 5 setting heating pad that he wanted. You do listen. <laughs> And Reese goes off to pull his birthday cake out of the oven. Then we see Francis on the phone with Lois, still pretending not to have a job, explaining that uh, she's just mad that he's a free spirit who doesn't need to look for a job. (laughs) Then he hangs up and takes a sack lunch from Piava, who asks, uh, chicken casserole good for dinner? And he says, sounds delicious. I'll be back at five and kisses her goodbye. (laughs) Then we see Hal in bed. Uh, like talking to Lois as she's in the bathroom saying, you know, everything went exactly as planned for once. Uh, Reese and Malcolm are both uh, out of the house and doing great. <laughs> you know, everything is going the best it has in a long time. And <laughs> Lois walks out of the bathroom and holds up a positive pregnancy test and Hal screams. <laughs> uh, the appropriate response. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you have that many kids that far apart, appropriate response all day. Fair. (laughs) And the last interaction we get is Reese working as the janitor at the high school on the payphone, talking to Malcolm. 
saying that the old janitor got fired when they found those uh, peepholes in the bathroom. Uh, Grandma was right. You do need a patsy. <laughs> God. <laughs> and he asked Malcolm, you know, uh, how different life is there, you know, Mr. Ivy League. And it cuts to Malcolm, who is also wearing janitor stuff at Harvard. Uh, and he says, you know, it... It's going pretty well, and then he says that he has to uh, rush off for a calc class and, like, uh, puts the, like, uh, mop and bucket, like, in the janitor's closet and, like, grabs his books and runs off to class still wearing his janitor stuff. <sighs> that's it. Yeah. That's that it. wraps up this final episode of the series. Quit saying it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Let's go to the final episode of the series awards section. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. I hate you so much, dude. I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah. Awards. Oh, uh, you're the worst. <laughs> and we will start as usual with the Roller Skating King Award. The award for the best visual moment. What did you go with, Eric? lot to choose from, but for me, I don't know, I think this is probably going to be a pretty uh, popular one as well. Everyone's state of dishevelment after the barrel explodes in, in the backyard. I mean, everyone covered in muck and just the varying ways that they're trying to deal with it. It was so great. Fair. Yeah. No, 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 that, that was on my list, but like you said, there were a lot of options. There <laughs> what were. What did you go with, David? So many. Uh... I actually went with uh, the collection of the montage or the montage of the collection of the 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 barrel of ick, just so grody and nasty, <laughs> but also somehow just perfect for a Reese final encapsulation of his awfulness. Totally. Uh, fair enough. That was also on my list, but my first choice is actually still available, and it is that uh like pair of shots those overhead shots with these circles around them mm -hmm. uh, largely because as eric said already it, it is that like just perfect visual callback to the pilot episode yeah and uh yeah i i'm a big sucker for like shows and movies that have that kind of symmetry but with stuff mirroring from the beginning and the end mm -hmm. definitely okay that's fair that's fair it's a good choice as much as I wanted to not like your choice. <laughs> Just because you deserve it. <laughs> this this show deserves a finale of arguments and screaming at each other like monsters. <laughs> I just don't think we're going to get that today. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> oh, no. There's still time. <laughs> there is still time. I don't have time. anything planned that I think is going to result in that, but we'll see. We'll that is fair. Out. It is. It is us. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like the worst ones are the ones that we don't see coming. <laughs> fair. Uh, well, let's move on to our next award, the Hot Dog with Mustard Award, the award for the best lie. What do you have for this one, Eric? I gave it to Reese uh, during that uh, dishevelment cleanup where, hey, I'm the victim here. Those are my hopes and dreams you're scrubbing out of your cracks. <laughs> okay. Fair. That is a very funny Reese line. Uh, also, so fitting. <laughs> Fair. Uh, what did you go with, David? So, uh, man, I... 
I tossed this one around a lot because I I ended up I ended up going with uh this last I know it's it's a little out of color and and doesn't hold up as great but I love just hearing Reese make the argument all dolph- all dolphins are gay <laughs> like what it's such a it's such a like late 90s early 2000s sitcom gay joke but it's also just the whole follow-up conversation about like a gay guy could kill a shark he's still gay (laughs) it's it's just it's such a it's it it sucks i get it but it also it's just man it's something i could hear my brother-in-law saying who for the record is a a gay man (laughs) as well and like i feel like he just i don't know i could hear him a hundred percent in this line and it still just has me crack it up listen this joke is only offensive if you don't believe reese is gay Uh, also, that was my first choice for uh, that as well. Uh, specifically, I was going to go with the uh, gay guys can still sh- or gay guys can kill sharks and they're still gay. <laughs> but uh, since you took one from that instead, I will go with a, a different Reese line. It's what? my backup, uh, which is, "Oh, Mister knows how to multiply. Is freaking out about his future." <laughs> Jake, that was that's my backup. backup. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh which also by the way does track reese reese is definitely gay he can't do math <laughs> wow that's true gay no, guys no, can't no. do math that, that's that's factual yeah can't, can't confirm <laughs> god if people are as clueless to that as i was when you first said it they're gonna be like what the fuck is wrong with these guys oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, if, if, if you weren't gay on Tumblr in the 2010s, just uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much to explain. It's a very specific group of people. Well, I mean, it's, it's basically all gays who are alive in 2010. <laughs> That's, I didn't think about that. That's fair. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> moving along. Uh, who did you have as your top skate dog, your favorite character this episode? Ooh. Uh, I went with, um, well, I, my assumption was that I was going to give this person the Cloris Leachman Award, but since Cloris Leachman was in it, I assumed that kind of defaulted to her, so in which case I was going to have to use that person for top skate dog. So I actually went with Jane Kaczmarek. Uh, for that impassioned speech that she is when she's covered in sludge, just the the visual of her with her just only like her basically like the the inverse raccoon eyes where she's just got her hair's all disheveled and she's got sh- just shit all over her face and uh, just really impassioned speech just kind of lays out the entirety of like the the culmination of seven seasons worth of show of what we've been coming to expect of malcolm that she kind of had laid out this whole time and and then also the stuff that she just conveyed silently too like it, not only as a, a character but also to the for the acting 
like the reaction scenes during the graduation where she looks like she's getting misty eyed, you know, kind of out of pride uh, at, you know, seeing her son graduate and kind of everything coming to fruition. Uh, and then <laughs> contrast that with the, the horror that she just like wordlessly shows because she doesn't say a word in that in that end kind of uh, montage where she just is she just like slack jawed and has is holding that positive pregnancy test just all the horror that she conveys in that without saying a, a single word it's just so great i mean she did a phenomenal job i mean everybody did but uh i i gave it to her yeah this was a tough award oh god yeah uh who did you end up going with david man i still don't want to give it to any one person the like everyone had a moment to shine in this episode and i get it it's a finale and honestly like i kind of want to give it to the writers because like to be able to do that to make it feel like every actor and every character got their um moment in this finale i think is it's so well done but ultimately i i had to land on because again you know cloris leachman was in the episode um as much as I would love to give Ida like every award, um, <laughs> really looking at it, I had to one more time give it to Brian Cranston. He's just, he's the master of physical comedy. He is so fucking funny. And I love his scenes in this so much. I love the Linwood Boomer uh, Lone Shark moment and, and just like Hal's look of like he's gaming the system as he's explaining to him what he'll do for him and the right. panic when he runs away, when he's like, I could just break your bones now. <laughs> uh, I love it so much. <laughs> P- piggybacking on Eric here. I also have Lois as my favorite character for this episode for all the stuff that he said. And then uh, the, the only moment that I had marked out uh, that you didn't already bring up is that moment where Reese says he'll be moving in with Craig in two weeks. And she like <laughs> slams her hands down and like leads forward yeah. to like specify, no, no, not two weeks, 12, 12 days. days. <laughs> exactly 12 days. Oh, that part did get me. It cracked me up. <laughs> And uh, moving on, we do have our Cloris Leachman Award, which is usually the award for the best acting. But since any time Cloris Leachman is in an episode, she is by default the best actor. <laughs> uh, instead, what was your favorite Cloris Leachman moment from this episode? <laughs> After they they loaded the barrel and she's talking about that she was going to fake the seizure and make sure that her skirt went up over her hips and how she wasn't wearing underwear and how that was going to buy him plenty of time to sneak the barrel out. Just so awesome. Also just, uh, I mean, cause most of her interactions were with Reese and, and with the barrel, she got criminally like very little screen time, but I mean, I get it. You know, you, you have yeah. to try to, but um, she certainly made the most of it. I also really loved the, <laughs> the point to actually i'll go ahead and change my answer to this and hopefully i'm not stealing one of you guys when when, uh reese said that he would kiss her if she ever brushed her teeth and she kind of does that that sheepish little look where she's like she even like purses her lips like she's kind (laughs) of reacting to like she knows she doesn't brush her teeth and so she's kind of like sheepish about it where she's like she's kind of like she's honored that he said that but also maybe a little bit embarrassed and just like just again just so much is, is done wordlessly 
uh, just for the visual moment. So I'll go with that. Uh, what did you go with, David? I went with because it. it I feel like it encapsulates uh, the character just as a whole and also reminds me very much of people that I grew up with. Uh, when she comes in the door behind Francis and he gra <laughs> he's got the fire poker and she's like, you better make the first shot count, princess. <laughs> Which is, by the way, something my brother-in-law used to say to my brother constantly. So he used to threaten to beat him up. <laughs> but uh, it's just, she's just got that bravado and it's so funny. And this is this character who's just such a horrible person that it makes you know all the rest of the craziness seem you know mundane and normal and i <laughs> love that <laughs> uh fair enough the, 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 those both were on my list of options uh, like eric said but th this is a weird one because usually if i does in an episode it's an episode that's kind of about Ida. This is like the one time we get her as like a actual side character. So there right. are a lot less to choose from. But uh, I am going with the line. If you're lucky, a whole family goes down and you get to sell their dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So fucked up. <laughs> such a fucked up, but also such a specific thing. Like it definitely feels like she has done exactly this. <laughs> Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, no, Ida definitely, she she did this in the old country. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, Maybe multiple times. Right. <laughs> Probably, Jake. <laughs> and uh, moving along to our next award, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award, your award for worst parent? I definitely went with a cop-out answer for this one. I actually chose Abe Canarvin for uh, never letting Stevie do anything on his own. Like, even when they're trying to enjoy one of their final hangouts, he still has to be there being a helicopter parent and just, like, hovering around uh, to the point where Stevie actually had to scream at him to leave. Um, but, yeah, I know it's a cop-out, but... <laughs> no, no I, I definitely considered Abe for that exact reason. Uh, who did you go with, David? This was another one that was hard because I was like, man, do I go with the obvious answer or do I look kind of deeper? And then, of course, the I, I thought I had my answer locked in. And then, you know, you get to the end of the episode and it definitely kind of started to sway me a little bit. But I I ended up I, I have to go with Lois. Interesting. I understand that it's supposed to be very like motivational and like. You know, uh, she believes in Malcolm and all this stuff and yada yada. But also, I don't know. I have like a particular axe to grind with the type of parent who's like, no, this is your life path. And we've made your life plan for you. And this is how it has to go. And like all this sort of generational sort of forcing you to do things. Um, and I get this is the 2000s, but like, eh. College does not necessarily guarantee Malcolm a decent future like he was being offered there. To not even consider it just in lieu of this sort of, like, life plan that she's concocted for Malcolm, which Malcolm has never showed an interest in being a political leader. And I think people who are forced to be leaders like that are shitty leaders, too, like, on top of it. 
I just, I don't know. Like, I, I know it's supposed to be, like, sweet, but I don't feel that way about that. I, like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> okay, I, I'm actually kind of glad you have that perspective. I disagree, but <laughs> I do know a lot of people take that exact issue with Lois's speech. It's actually, like, a really divisive moment in the, like, Malcolm the Middle fandom. A lot of people feel that way about the speech, so I'm glad that we have someone to represent that point of view even though again i i disagree with i i get it in terms of if someone in real life did this i kind of agree okay but this is a tv show i guess fair <laughs> and like mm -hmm. it, it i i think like when you're writing fiction like the the emotional you, you can kind of set aside the practical things and if it works emotionally then i think it's still works it doesn't need to be the sort of thing you can replicate in real life to be a good thing within the universe if that makes sense it does it's the same way that like if someone actually went out in spandex and assaulted criminals that's bad but i like superheroes because <laughs> in a marvel universe that that makes sense when there's a when the guy who's doing the crimes is dressed like an octopus and has robot arms <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I, for this award, went with Ida, based yeah. almost exclusively on one detail. <laughs> I know what it is. Lois's line, the last time I, I crossed mom, someone dropped a pig head down our chimney. <laughs> 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 and while yes, Hal and Lois have their issues, and yes, Abe is overbearing, none of them dropped a pig head down any chimneys in this episode. That so. we know. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true <laughs> though I gotta say I wish my grandma had been interested enough to drop pig heads down our chimney <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I guess it shows that she cares in a way <laughs> that's right more than my real grandma did <laughs> rough <laughs> uh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, moving along <laughs> to our next award, what did you give your OK Boomer Award, your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release? I think I have to say this every single time I join you guys on the show. The benefit of going first, because I'm my get. Well, I mean, maybe there was more to choose from, but I think the obvious one, <laughs> Harvard, the cost of okay. tuition. Okay, all right. So, you didn't take uh, mine, yeah. thank God. Oh, okay, yeah. Out-of-state tuition being roughly around $30,000, $35,000 based on the math that they were kind of coming up with with the grant. I mean, they didn't specify what those, uh, like, person grants or uh, what that money was. But my, my thought process was that if this was somewhere where they were thinking that were, they were going to be all in for the year for, like, 30 40 grand. So uh, according to Google now, like Harvard tuition for 2023, tuition alone for out-of-state is $54,269. And then with all other incidentals, uh, that adds up to an expected annual charge of around $85,000 annually. So no way uh. modern day Malcolm would be making Harvard work, uh, being that it costs almost triple what it was about 20 years ago. So definitely in, in the time and place. Uh. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more than my entire education would have cost, like, <laughs> with six years of schooling at the college I went to, if I didn't, if I had to, like, pay for everything, which I didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's, 
So fucking absurd. <laughs> Fuck you, yes, Ivy League schools. <laughs> oh, dude, straight up. I, <laughs> Ivy League is a straight up scam, bro. Like, ugh. Well, what did you go with, David? Uh, well, I had to go with uh, Linwood Boomer being in the episode because it's an OK Boomer award. <laughs> As I was saying, I was thinking I should have done that. <laughs> uh, like, I had a big, long thing, and I went... Dude, I, I literally went on a deep dive about computers and, like, when certain CPUs came out and Googled it all. But then I was like, wait, it's the OK Boomer Award, and Linwood Boomer was in the episode. <laughs> Uh, fair enough, David. Fair enough. Uh, I went with a much more specific thing. I went with the weird parallels between Lois's life plan for Malcolm and the soon-to-be president at this point, Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. Who, like, pretty much, like, step for step, this is she's just describing the life of Barack Obama, including going to Harvard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to a weird level <laughs> like uh, other than the governor of a mid-sized state thing like the th this is literally just she's just describing obama's life before his presidency <laughs> i don't know no one's ever heard of the state he was a governor in <laughs> <laughs> well first of all he was senator I know, I know. Yes, <laughs> that 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 is the one difference. Yeah, but I had to, I had to keep it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the desert. <laughs> that, yeah. Yes, it's, it's the exactly. Great deserts of Illinois. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, that uh just leaves. Also, I mean, clearly, I meant food deserts. Yeah. Good good cover up for that season two flub, David. <laughs> Three years later, it's coming out with an offense. Uh, you know what's you know what's great, Jake? I thought of that like three seasons ago, and I just always forget it every time Eric's on. <laughs> I've literally been trying to sneak that in as like my pseudo defense not defense of that for at least two seasons now and i always forget <laughs> well david you got it in on this the last episode shut up in the middle. i hate you so much well whenever i'm on i normally keep you on your toes because you're always gonna think of like what batshit insane theory am i gonna come up with for where the fuck's francis so i think i always you're always distracted i think that's, that is true. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into shittiest and least shitty kid. <laughs> so, uh, let's start with shittiest kid. Who did you have as your shittiest, Eric? I went with Reese. And, I mean, what better way to finish the show's run than with the, the final one being uh, Reese is the shittiest kid. I mean... The barrel itself, the, the questionable collection <laughs> methods to acquire the materials for said barrel, the taking advice from Ida about finding a patsy and then ostensibly using that to get Al, the janitor, fired so that he could take over as full-time janitor. Who knows what other really bad things he did uh, to get to that point. But yeah, I, I went with Reese. 
Yeah, I also went with Reese for those exact reasons. Who did you go with, David? Well, it is the season finale. I had to go with Dewey. Okay. For perpetuating the cycle that even though he had his little ceremony and he, you know, basically swore saying that, you know, Jeremy was going to get, or Jamie was going to get to. Jeremy? Yeah, I totally flubbed there. (laughs) Shut up. Um, That's that's the next kid. That's the kid that they're pregnant with. (laughs) uh, Yeah, the next kid's Jeremy. Um, but the, he's already getting talked about and shittiest kid out of the curve. Um, <laughs> he was going to, you know, get to live a life uh, devoid of that. And then immediately goes to creating his own nuclear option and doing horrible, awful things with Jamie. Um, and just like also participating in the nuclear option. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all three of them are awful for that. Um, they all got equal points for that one in my book, but I think then just perpetuating that cycle and continuing it, uh, makes Dewey the, the shittiest kid here. Okay. Uh, th- it's not the conclusion I came to, but I, I can respect Dewey as shittiest kid for this episode. Yeah, I did, uh, certainly consider him. And like, I was just thinking though at the end, like that little, last little montage thing where it's like when Hal and Lois are freaking out and Dewey's like, oh, if mom ever figures out that it was the two of us, like, who else would it be? It's it's literally only them. So right, <laughs> it was Jeremy. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Josh, one of the two. Also, <laughs> motherfucker Josh from Des Moines. <laughs> that's right. I do have to say real quick, literal shittiest kid, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, who did you have as least shitty kid? I, another cop-out. I went with Jamie because he was the only one not involved in the worst thing that they'd ever done, which was the nuclear option, you know, by virtue of not being born yet. But, I mean, I guess uh, he, he wins by default there. See, I, in a very similar I... thought process, went with Francis as the only one who wasn't involved in the nuclear option. Uh I but Lois's also friend, went with uh, Francis. He did something Listen, fucked up because he gave that he gave that X-ray up real quick without a fight sure, at all. Sure, so. it's I'm <laughs> sure it's something fucked up. But also, Francis turned his life around and was doing the right thing. Now, could he give Lois satisfaction? No, but like now, I will say his job and how much he enjoys it does lend credence to the Francis may have been replaced with a clone, evil serial killer version of Francis, but. <laughs> I said some credence. Don't. I'm taking. Don't. Uh, no. Let me take my victory lap. I'm good. <laughs> but <laughs> what I will say is that he is, you know, being an adult. He's growing up. He's providing. He's doing the adult thing. He's he's living life the right way. And while he's not emotionally well, uh, who in that family is? And I think that <laughs> Francis deserves least shitty kid for, frankly becoming not a kid anymore so good job francis yeah no i, I agree uh, francis is not you know completely blameless in this episode but again like i, I didn't really consider jamie because jamie just kind of doesn't do anything in the episode at all and francis wasn't involved in convincing lois she had cancer 
So it felt like a pretty easy choice to go with him. Yes, but he, he we get did, this he, other he, alluded to thing. Well, but he also we don't accused know what her of he accused her of racism and told her to take a long hard look at herself. You know, because and he, we all maybe she should. does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember back in season one when she called them aboriginals, Eric? <laughs> Maybe she does. <laughs> I was, goddammit, Jake, you beat me to it. I was literally about to be like, actually, I think we told Lois that once. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Now, now, Eric, I have to figure out how... What I'm gonna do with this fucking poll that has five options. Twitter only lets me have four. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> you know what? Well, Eric's yeah. shittiest kid. Yes, yes. Get him the shirt. <laughs> well, so then oh. you do the combo. You do Jamie slash Francis. Whoever votes for that has to write in the with a response as to who their vote is actually for. <laughs> you can't be asking people to do write-ins, Eric. It's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Most of the people respond with the reason that they chose that. I think that this is just one more step. You're putting the... Uh, See, well, this is why we fair, get more write-ins. People... We don't expect it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you also get votes for people that aren't even featured in the episode at all. So it's like people are taking time to vote in the polls, but they're just like, exactly. ah, I'm not going to bother to Listen, even... <laughs> I have... Well, you know what? No, that'll... I have a theory and some information, but I think that'll be a finale finale thing to talk about. You better put something in your calendar or in your notes to remind you, because if you if it took you three seasons to remember to talk about the food deserts, you're Listen. definitely going to fucking forget this. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. You were right. Most of the time when you started coming on the show, I was worried about what sort of serial killer bullshit I was going to have to deal with. <laughs> and you co-signed it so i think they... <laughs> listen i don't make smart choices all the time <laughs> true <laughs> shut up jake yeah. also seconded you off you often come on my show so you don't make <laughs> choices oh <laughs> uh... <laughs> God, I have such a retort for that, but it's it's. I don't want to pick on, on Jared. Me. No, I don't want to pick on Jared more. <laughs> well, then definitely tell me now. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> God. Okay, well, that wraps our awards up, but we do have a couple of segments left. Uh, beginning with the Cranston Connection. As we have determined that in some form or fashion, all characters played by Brian Cranston, including the actor Brian Cranston, are the same character. And we get a we get sort of a convergence of factors in this episode. We we get his motivation for why he's moving on from his life as hell, which is that there is yet another kid on the way, and he just <laughs> he just can't do it again. He was, you know, considering staying w with that life with Malcolm and Reese going, despite his, you know, initial plans earlier, like questioning that. But the, the second he saw that positive pregnancy test, that determined he was out as far as his life as how goes. Oh my god! <laughs> and we 
also see him uh, making, uh, you know, solidifying some of his criminal connections as we see him dealing with this mobster played by Linwood Boomer. But the thing is, this wasn't Linwood Boomer because that's not how he's credited in the episode. He's credited as Enzo Stussy. And anyone who watches Fargo knows that the Stussy oh, no. family is connected to the Fargo crime syndicate uh, through VM Varga. And that's going to help Hal as he starts setting up this next life for himself as this criminal kingpin slash a drug manufacturer. And that's the real reason why he's doing all of that. It, has nothing to do with this, you know, supposed cancer stuff. It's that he agreed as part of his deal because he doesn't have money to give them. That, you know, if they help him set up this new fake identity, that uh, it, it will pay off for them once he, you know, starts this massive drug operation. He's going to cut that Fargo crime syndicate in. And, in fact, when we go to his new life in Breaking Bad, he's going to take inspiration because Dewey never destroyed the nuclear option. And Hal found it. And so now he knows that Lois never really had cancer, that the whole thing was faked. And he's going to take inspiration from that oh, in his next God. life. When he fakes having cancer in order to justify to people who find out this drug <laughs> empire that's really there as this, you know, elaborate ploy to help him set up this entire fake identity of Walter White. <laughs> So this episode <laughs> proves definitively Walter White never had cancer. The whole thing was fake. Oh, my God. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, Jay. <laughs> also, wait, is he really credited as Enzo Stussy? Yes. No way. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. It makes sense that, of course, that's who he goes to because he's already part of the Coen Brothers universe as we established because his character in Little Miss Sunshine is also a character in the movie version of Fargo. So yep. that's clearly why he knew this guy in the first place. It all adds up. It sure does <laughs> in the weird way that we've done it. <laughs> when you can't math it all adds up that's right <laughs> look at mister knows how to multiply over here <laughs> awesome oh, God. <sighs> okay well that just leaves the final installment of David's guessing game that's not technically true well, yeah. We got the season wrap-up one. That, that, that's true, yes. Where I, I will be uh, putting all of, all of these grades together and seeing if you have to redo the season or not. Fuck off. But you did pretty well on this last one. Uh, you were correct that both Malcolm and Reese would graduate. Uh, and, of course, you knew that Francis would be there. Uh, and you were also correct in your list of side characters I made you give me. Yeah. And, uh, remembering who would be there, except that you thought the poker crew would be there. I did, yeah. Which, uh, they, they were not. The reason we didn't do, like, a fond farewell is because they're, uh, for the most part, like, with the exception of Trey, they don't really get developed as characters. They're sort of a, like, just friend group for Hal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then... Uh, the, the only other thing that you uh, got partial credit for is you thought that Lois and Hal, would let their part of it would be like dealing with, you know, their two kids leaving the house uh, sort of under, uh, you know, 
normal circumstances as opposed to what happened with Francis, which played in a little but wasn't really their main concern in the end. But you did mention that, of course, Malcolm wouldn't have, like, a payment in place for <laughs> college, and that definitely factored. Well, yeah, I mean, being a broke kid's like, the whole point of the show. <laughs> and uh, you did nail the Linwood Boomer cameo, though, as you said that he would be, like, a sleazy, shitty yeah. guy. <laughs> I did not picture a lone shark. but uh with all of that i gave you an 87 percent for this one there was some stuff that you missed but you uh you did pretty well you got all the big stuff yeah (laughs) and if you want to find out how david did overall you'll have to uh tune in next episode for that uh season wrap-up which will then be followed by a full series wrap-up episode that Eric will be joining us for that one as well. Yeah. Yep. And that'll that'll wrap it up. And then yep. that's where we'll talk about our next project. We sure will. Uh, and Eric, why don't you remind people where they can find more of you? Thank you very much. File under Entertainment Podcast available on all platforms. This season is covering music in which Jake and David have been gracious enough to give their presence on multiple episodes. We're going through uh, the decades now. Uh, next one will be the 1980s. Well, actually, the next episode in the feed will be the Halloween episode in which both these guys will be on. So the spooky, creepy Halloween songs. One apiece. So it won't be a typical four-hour file entertainment episode. But... Uh, should still be a lot of fun but yeah and also if you like sports the evil mark show college football edition on thursday so listen to life is unfair first on thursdays but then go over to evil mark uh and as always thanks and credit to jacob newfeld who does our intro and outro music you can find links to more of his music in the episode descriptions and if you would like to get in touch with us you can do that via email where we are life is unfair pod at gmail.com or on twitter where we are unfair underscore podcast and if you enjoy the banter back and forth here, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we stream video games, interact with chat, and in general, have a good time. Uh, and don't forget, every first weekend of November, we do a 24-hour uh, charity stream. It's a ton of fun, ton of craziness. We raise money for charity and do crazy wild things, including force Jake to do stupid stuff for an entire year. So come join us for that. Help the kids and help us torture Jake. and as always one last time remember life is unfair and jake sucks What a perfect time for Jared to show up. Right? Yes. <laughs> In the finale. Who gave that guy a key to the studio? Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. He is the janitor. So. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the peepholes in the bathroom. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so now this is too good. It has to stay. You gotta leave us in. Fuck. Poor Jared. <laughs> I almost feel bad for him. <laughs>